Hello, good people, and welcome to this is stop number two on the Brunswick Beer Collective's take on the number 86 tram. Uh, I'm Chris Shorten. Uh, with me is Paul Christoph. Good afternoon. With me is Jeffrey Chi. Afternoon. And we are at Stomping Ground. Well, actually, we're in the offices next to the offices next to the other building at Stopping Ground. Oh, like Get Smart. Where yeah. You've got to go underground and the doors close behind you and <laughs> well, you, the phone booth. You've got to knock holes through walls to get there. And, yeah. mm. and, and I'll admit that when we walked in for the first thing, uh, I didn't expect it to go all this far back. And we're joined by Asher. G'day there. Who is the head brewer, correct? Yes. Yep. That um, I... I interviewed you at um, Brewers Feast uh, their first year, um, although that was all a bit of a blur. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, I think I, we were talking collaboration beers. Yeah. We right. had, oh, that's right. Bloody hell. Yeah, yeah. Brewers Feast down at um, Abbotsford Convent. Ah, indeed, collaboration beers. Although that was like that was like your first. That was an in, that was a sort of not just an interview. It was a um, it was a group talk though, mm. wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and we had uh, Cavalier, Cavalier, and um, uh, Seven Cent. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah, well, we've certainly done a lot of collaborations since then. And it's <laughs> well, uh, but and I guess it's the whole. It goes back to the, you know, because I, I remember I first came here um, when that I stumbled across. It was just basically the brewery didn't the beer hall didn't exist. It was the brewery, and I just walked through. Uh, I was walking along. Uh, Gibbs Street on the way to Beer Mash, and I happened to see an open garage. Mm. And it was like, what the hell was going on here? And yeah. it was just like, you guys were open like two nights a week or something like that. Yeah, it was a very cool time. Uh, we we had a bit of beer, so we'd done a few uh, beers before Good Beer Week in 2016, uh, collaborations, a lot of them in fact, uh, for a sort of opening night event that we had during Good Beer Week at the, um, pretty much in the loading dock and in the brewery space, not in the, uh, not in the now beer hall space. And after that, it was pretty successful. We decided to do pop-ups on Fridays for probably about six to eight weeks. Um, and, yeah, that was great. It was, you know, some nights were busier than others, but it was a good way of getting locals in, people walking by. A lot of people just walking by and happening to see it and dropping in and having a pint. Uh, they were really fun fun times, actually. But uh, obviously the <laughs> it's developed into something very different now and the, and the brewery space is not... Not normally used the same way. Well, given that um, you know we walked uh, we, we walked in through that same mm. uh, there oh, that same um, driveway today, and you go left and there's uh, another giant room. Yeah. You go further left yeah. and there is another giant. Was room. Was it good beer week last year where there was that event in the? Yes, the space? garage project. Yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so we didn't have the hole in the wall at that point. Mm. Again, it was uh, <laughs> God, it was pretty tight in there then. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. We got there, we got with the five minutes to spare or mm, something. The five minutes to spare and everything was just closing up and it's like, yeah. give us whatever you can. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't have much left at that point. No, that, was, that was a fun afternoon. Right. Yeah, well, we had already been at another event at the Arbury, I think. Or yeah, yeah, we were there as well. Yeah, oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think uh, we missed you at Tiff and it was like, yeah. make sure you save some. <laughs> yeah. But, oh, it was a very busy day. <laughs> but that's, that's good beer week for you, though. Yeah. So... I guess the obvious question is, did you... Uh, Stomping Ground is huge, way bigger than any of us expected. Mm. Did you expect it? Well, I don't think we expected the growth um, that we've had and all the success we've had so soon, but it's been... I mean, it makes sense when you look at how hard everyone who's involved works in the place, um, whether that's the front of house staff, which is all the, you know, Matt, um, the venue manager, the kitchen... 
um, then on to the brewery side, and we've got a fairly small team in the brewing team. There are five of us now, but that's grown from, you know, four at the start of the year, two last year, and yeah, then it was just me at the um, pretty much at the start of last year. So, and then the sales team are doing a ripper job. Um, but as I was just talking to you guys about before, uh, we most of the beer is sold within about a five k radius of, of Stompo. So, and that's kind of where we wanted to be. And the majority of it is tap sales, so it's draft beer. Um, which, you know, with freshness in mind, particularly with hoppy beers, that's really important. And uh, that's great. I mean, Victoria is a pretty, pretty saturated market, but uh, there are more and more places kind of like ours, the beer hall um, theme that are popping up, and they're all going to do pretty well. I think because not only is it a different offering, but it's promoting that idea that you should have, you know, you should often drink beer close to the source if possible. Mm. But, yeah, no, it's good. The growth's been great. Been fun. <laughs> that it, what uh, I mean, um, like guys, what do you uh, do? You remember the first time you came here? Uh, it's pretty hazy, but that's like <laughs> my first time visiting anywhere. But yeah. I think it was you, man, Ben. Yeah, after something else. Well, yeah, something and yeah, know, I think like, we just we should we... go home. It's like well. No, we should actually finally check out this new stomping yeah, ground place. I think yeah, we must have been must have been like on Smith Street or Wellington yeah. Street or something, and we just decided we'd just roll in here and yeah, no, and it was so. just like really impressive. Yeah, it's just, it's like, just, this is a amazing spot. That's mm. right, and just yeah, I mean, sort of you know, for for a relatively new operation like you know, like giants, I guess you know, mm. like there was sort of it's great to sort of see that ambition kind of up front mm. to like you know, it's just like have a proper space and yeah, yeah. in the whole like, family friendly angle, yeah, and yeah, yeah. And all that. you don't see that at a lot of beer places yep no and it's it's been really good for us i mean a lot during the week we have a few mothers groups that come in but on the weekend now as you see when we um when we're out in the beer hall before a lot of families a lot of meetings uh you know family gatherings and it is good for that because you can get big groups of people in and all that does is you know they they see it they like the space and then they go and tell their mates and they come back yeah and, uh maybe have a bit more of a a blokey or a chick's night yeah. you know separately from the families um but, but you don't need to like you don't need to love beer to appreciate Oh no, absolutely. Mm-hmm. The space, yeah, it's it's great. There's a lot of thought that went into that, and uh, and now I mean, with the plants as summer comes along, they just bloom, and it's almost like a jungle out there under that deck. And then when the misters start, it really is like a jungle <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on those hotter days. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah, it's a really cool space. It's great to work in and be around every day. Um, well, obviously that you're gonna you, you brew on site and things like that. What is what's the methodology as to what you what you choose to brew? So it's been, again, it's one of those funny things about um, just about how well received the different styles of beer have been at the beer hall. And as I was saying before, one of the, one of the hardest things that we, um, that we find is just juggling that tap space. You know, when we've got a couple of smaller tanks that we rotate different beers through and, and you've got to be really careful with the type of beer that you choose. So you could choose something that's light like a sour like these and uh, we're drinking the Guava Smash at the moment. We'll, we did, we'll review it later. Yeah. <laughs> when we did beers like this uh, at the start, we were just doing small batches, 10-egg batches, um, which would you know equate to about 18 kegs at the end after uh, ferment, and they were just flying. And if you sell a couple out in trade, then all of a sudden, within two weeks, it's gone, and that's the rotation of that tank, you know, the ferment cycle. Mm. So then you have to quickly get something in, and then all of a sudden you've got a pre-tap mm. space. And Yeah, so that... And we're... Interestingly, we're drinking another beer at the moment, which is the opposite end of the scale. Well, we're not <laughs> drinking it just yet, but the Bricktower Barley Wine, and that's that's a great sort of beer to have on a tap because it'll hold that tap space for so long. 
and it's not going to hurt the beer. Uh, if anything, it might develop a bit with a bit mm. of age. Um, so that's, you know, the methodology is such that there's a bit of seasonal seasonality to it. So when fruit comes in season, we try and use that in saisons and in sour beers. Um, darker beers during the winter months, although in Melbourne, as you guys know, you see people drinking stout on a 40 degree day. We're a different, we're a different lot down here, that's for sure. But uh, yeah, trying to keep it, trying to keep it seasonal, try and keep it, um, you know, fresh ideas coming through as well. And there's a lot of discussion between not only sales, between um, beer hall staff and and the owners, and I'm constantly having ideas thrown at me, which is really good. Um, yeah, when you when you start having to make them up on your own all the time, <laughs> gets, yeah. I don't know, you just you, you can lose track of things. But it's really it's really fun. So one of the beers that we're uh, I'll give you a taste of it on the way out today. Actually, it's a one of the staff um, concepts. So the beer hall staff, the uh, the servers, and the wait staff and whatnot and bartenders they uh every few months they get to decide basically put in a hat a bunch of different styles they mm -hmm. choose you know the three most popular vote on that and then we brew that beer and that's the the staff brew uh the latest one is going to be a nitro pineapple ipa oh. so it's got a bunch oh, of wow, pineapple cool. in it yeah smoked um, pineapple? What's that? <laughs> hey hey smoked pineapple smoked pineapple oh wow there's um, a long story about it um, it, for those who listened, um, haven't listened to last week's episode and for Asha, essentially um, uh, Paul had a smoker on that um, and then he was like, I still have the hot coals there. I need to do, is that something I can smoke? And mm. I saw that my wife had purchased a pineapple, so I yeah. the pineapple in the smoker. They do that in South America, they barbecue it. And it's over coals, while it's mm. not so much smoked, it's one of the best things you can eat. Super sweet. Oh God, it's good. So good. Yeah. Is that, is that how yours played out? Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll, with it. We'll, we'll be repeating that story <laughs> every will. episode. Maybe we will. <laughs> <laughs> but, all right. Uh, you, you mentioned earlier about, um, like, you know, this is meant, it's it's local and it's mm. within five k radius. Was was uh, was the idea to always be in Smith Street or to always be around Collingwood sort of area? Yeah, yeah. From from as long as I've been involved, which I first got a message from Steve Jeffers back in 2013. Um, I was in my final year of engineering, working at an engineering office and, and brewing at the time. Thought, well, that's kind of irrelevant, but I just got this random message one day and I was like, oh, that's really odd. And he invited me to come talk to him if I was ever hmm. looking to move to Melbourne. And at the time, I'd put the feelers out um, for well, after my Where brew. were you prior? Wollongong, oh, in God, New South okay. Wales. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I came down the following month, uh, met up with Steve and, and had a chat. And uh, yeah, it was pretty big ideas and big plans and I, I walked away slightly shitting myself but also pretty um, pretty chuffed to have been approached and and what he told to me then which was you know the start of 2014 is we want to do this um, this is the idea and it, you know we all like inner North Melbourne so whether it was North Melbourne or you know perhaps Fitzroy but less mm. warehouse space or Collingwood mm. and ideally he wanted to do Collingwood and he's a Collingwood supporter so yeah, <laughs> but uh, so and, and it had the it had the most space um, and it had the most warehouses coming up. So yeah, it was and it, I, like when I first moved down here, admittedly, I I came and viewed a few of these warehouses with the guys with Justin, Guy and Steve, and I didn't know that it was going to be such a great pocket. But it turns out, I mean, the the foot traffic and the amount of apartments that are going up here, it's mm -hmm. a really good spot. Um, and it's been fantastic for us. 
Well, of course, it's almost to the point where the places are growing up around you instead of the yeah, other way around. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah. Right. Of course, you, you can brace yourself for the noise complaints later on. Yeah, well, we were here first. <laughs> <laughs> that, that generally, that argument generally doesn't seem to hold no, in, in the city, but, you know, it's... No. Uh, no, I think exactly. Victoria, there was a, some laws passed, some prior use laws that no, no other state right. has. They've been quite progressive on that. Yeah, I think it was a fairly recent, actually, the last five years or something. Yeah. I think they kind mm. of they actually went the, yeah, it's the we were here first law, mm. pretty much. Yeah. yeah, a few iconic music venues closed down, which mm. really broke the camel's back. Mm. Yeah. Which, yeah, we nobody likes to see that. Um, no. And we don't like to see iconic, iconic breweries go either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's a oh. selling point, isn't it? Like, live next yeah. door to a brewery. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I made a mate of mine. Well, I live across from a brewery. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. A mate of mine lives, lives pretty close to here, and he refers to this like he has to walk past it every day on the way home from work. He refers to this place like the most dangerous place in the world. Because <laughs> like, every day, it's just like the temptation is just always there. <laughs> we should try and working. And it's weak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is that is a good question. What is it like to be the head brewer at a brewery? and actually have to do it for a living. Are you sick of beer? No, God, no. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I do... Um, I probably drink a little bit too much, but, uh, you know, I often find myself not drinking during the week, and that's something I've got to try and maintain just to be a little bit more sensible about it. But it is... It's, in my mind, it's the greatest job in the world. I enjoy every aspect of it, whether it's the cleaning, which some people just don't like, but I think that's... It's, probably the, it's clearly the most important part of the job, but... Um, if you don't start with a good, clean base for whatever you're doing, you know, surface or whatever that you're working with, then the end result is going to, uh, could be disastrous. So, you know, from, from the dirty jobs to, you know, the best part of the job, or some, what some people might argue is the best part of the job, and seeing, you know, an idea for a beer turn into a recipe, then be brewed and then be packaged or kegged and it's on tap and you're tasting it, that's, you know, that's great. And often you, those sort of moments, now more so because we've done a lot of beers. I don't, I don't really sit in the moment as much when you know when you first put a beer on tap and you try it and you really you know early on I used to get really excited about it. But now more, <laughs> more often it's other people around me getting excited about it. And it's like cool they're liking it as well. Like the young brewers that I have working here, that's great too. Um, I guess you get to feed off that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, because it's not something you know. I, I fell into brewing. Back when I was in Wollongong studying, I got a job in a brew pub, um, moved over into the brewery. Andrew Gow at the time was the head brewer. He went on to um, set up Mornington and worked there as head brewer for years and is now actually down at uh, Two Bays, the gluten-free brewery opening up in the peninsula. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I heard about um, that. Yeah, so he – and we got along really well and uh, he got me over. So I just fell into that job and mm-hmm. there have been a couple of guys similar that work in the brewery that have done the same thing and, you know, from not – not being so much passionate about beer, but just passionate about work to really developing that passion about beer is uh, it's pretty cool. Mm. Yeah, it's good and fun. Is is there anything you won't make? Uh, <laughs> it's actually funny you say that. This guy, one of the guys on the bar, Luke, uh, for one of these staff beers, um, he put forward chicken salt goza, and I. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's been done since actually, but uh, or chicken twisty goza, I think, was done. Mm. I remember saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He brought it in. I didn't like it. He was really pissed off when he brought that bottle in. He's like, someone else has done it now. <laughs> but, uh, that, was the, that was the one thing, and he still annoyed at me that I... Um, that Refused I just, him. I just said, flat said no, <laughs> which, given some of the beers that we have done, like the tzatziki sour, you wouldn't think would be a complete stretch, but um, 
It would definitely be doable. Oh, it's easy. Yeah, everything's yeah. doable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But um, that said, uh, drinkability is, is one of the things that we always want to focus on here. And whether it is, you know, an imperial stout or a barley wine or going down to something that's a sour, whether it's a Berliner Weiss or a Goza or um, pretty much any beer, it, you want you know you want your dark beers to be luscious and rich, but you also want them to have that element of drinkability, so that you could, if if you wanted to, have more than one or two pints. And I mean, I that's that's what I try and put into every one of our beers. I want to make them drinkable, so that people can have more than one, even if it is, you know, twelve percent. Sessionable barley wine. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. You know, if, if you can drink it, and you can say, oh wow, that's you know complex, and but it's still you know, comes off the tongue at the end and you don't feel like it's hanging around in your mouth for too long, oh, I could have another one. And then you're on the floor. Mm. Yeah, but uh, you'd be happy on the floor. Oh, you'd be, yeah, loving it. Right. <laughs> What's the most popular best-selling beer, I should say? Uh, over the bar, it's the Gip Street Pale. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's been... And, uh, I mean, the Laneway Lager's a close second, particularly this time of year when you get a lot of bigger groups that, um, you know, staff parties and whatnot. People yeah. just wanting to, to get through a, a lot of beer. Um, and they're, you know, I, I love the lager. I actually really enjoyed it. It's one of those beers. It was the second beer we made here, actually. The third beer we made was a Berliner Weiss. So I made the Gibbs, the Laneway, and what we used to call the Bad Seed. Um, and the Laneway is one of those ones I continue to like to make. And now that we've ha- we've got a centrifuge, it's, um, it's a bit quicker to get it through. And it's, yeah, it's just really satisfying. But I don't drink it every day. <laughs> I drink it on Fridays when we're scrubbing the floor. It's the best beer for that. <laughs> But, uh, yeah. Well, that, I mean, we're one step away from a VB ad now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And what's yeah. the what's the what's your favourite beer that you've brewed all the time? I asked this a few times, and I don't really. I don't know. It's like, like asking, you know, who your favourite kid is. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. I Absolutely. I, I mean, pretty much every time we do something new, that's my new favourite thing that I get caught up in. But um, oh, hard to say. There'd be some. There'd be some standout beers that. Um, that have been, you know, one. Firstly, when you've when you've done them and you've re- you've really enjoyed them, like the barley wine, in particular, uh, the imperial stout. This year, I really enjoyed. Um, but you know, they because they're hard beers to do. They're hard yep. beers to do well, I think. But then, on that same note, uh, doing the lager, and although we do it all the time, doing it to the point that if you think you've got it pretty close to what a Munich Hellers is like that's that's the goal yeah. and if you can do that it's pretty hard to do and I enjoy doing that but uh, and then again anything with fruit we add a lot of fruit to the sours that's always fun because you get so much smell and flavour out of it and it's so juicy but you know it's low in sugar so yeah. it's uh, you can just you know, although it has booze well, um, in the last episode slash about uh, two hours ago um, we were chatting with the guys at Burris K and they were talking about making their collaboration beer with Moondog, and basically it is a it's peach and um, peach, peach and passion fruit. Yeah, right. And they just like that they were blown away to sour, but it ended up being at, um, like six percent or something. Yeah, right. And they were like, yes, look at all these fruits, look at all these fruits. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of excitement there. Yeah, yeah. It is. Fruit beers have um has been a bit of a revelation. It was something that you probably wouldn't have seen much of, maybe or five years ago and now a lot of people are doing them because they I think personally I, I was not that great at using fruit initially but now it's uh, I've got a bit of a method and it seems to work and 
they're more accepted as well in terms of drinkability and uh, people are willing to try them, even blokes. Well, they're also, they're also big, though. No, I was, they're also good bridging beers. Like if there's someone yeah. like a cider drinker or, a, or a, like a wine drinker or something, like you know, it doesn't taste as you know as beery. And yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, people yeah. are that like, doesn't taste like beer. Yeah, <laughs> believe me, it is. <laughs> Absolutely, but yeah, you get that comment all the time. You're gonna see what's the uh, the highest ranked beer on Untapped. It's the Shiraz Barrel Aged Brick Tower. Oh, really? Four point oh three, followed closely by Robert at four. There you go. Right. Um, have you guys made a Nipa? No. What? No, I've never made an Nipa. Have you not made a? Oh, I just don't really like them. Whoa! I feel like I feel like, <laughs> I feel like we've hit a real nail on the head. Here. <laughs> <laughs> really controversial. <laughs> I don't think so. I'm not alone. Uh, no, we've never made one. <laughs> no, no, no brewers like Nipas. No, it, it does seem to be that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really entertaining. I'm pretty sure they don't like brute IPAs either. No, yeah. Yeah, I haven't tried any. Yeah, I've still, still not tried them. But um, I've got to go down to fixation because someone was telling me they had theirs the other day. Mm-hmm. On um, oh, are you guys uh, going there today? Uh, not today. We'll be there in a few weeks. Yeah. Um, but yeah. the Hazy Eighty Six. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, which is apparently really good. Yeah. That's is that the collaboration they did for ANHC? Uh, I don't know if it's a collaboration or not. They just um, um, Tom mentioned that it was like this. This you ha- you have to have this, and so yeah, right. Yeah, their brute. Someone was telling me their brute was fantastic too. But no, we've never made a we've never made an East Coast, never made a Nipa. Um, we've made some fairly juicy tasting IPAs, but just never. I'm never one to purposely haze if you don't have to. Well, the the silly part is we. Uh, uh, it was last year we spoke with uh, the, someone from Bright Brewery, mm. and that that guy was the head brewer was absolutely against Nipas to the point where it's like. Uh, I will never, ever, ever make a Nipah. Yeah, I would rather mm. quit than do yeah. a Nipah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think they have. I, I think I assume it's still there, but um, I think <laughs> that, I don't know, it's an interesting phenomenon. But it's it keeps on going. That's the yeah, yeah, unexpected part, I suppose. Well, yeah. I mean, personally, I'm just happy when red IPAs continue to be made. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm I'm not surprised when I don't see them. Hmm. Yeah, they, they come in and out of fashion, I reckon. Mm. They're, they're a funny one. Yeah, and the Nipahs held on for a while. Um, oh, look, I just don't really like them. <laughs> I'm not go there. But the funny thing is none of the brewing team really like them that much either, and the sales team as well. So Okay, that's, uh, that's a small victory. Yeah, so it's not. I'm not being... And, you know, a lot of people within the venue. So it's kind <laughs> of... Um, I'm not getting hassled for it too much. No. Which is, which is good. And there's like a million one of them anyway. Like if you want a Nipah, you can yeah. go somewhere else and get a Nipah. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Be, it's a fairly tough market when you're dealing with the likes of Hop Nation and uh, Three Ravens who are doing fantastic ones and they've got mm. them packaged and they're out there all the time. So, um, yeah, that's, right. they can have that space. I don't want to try and encroach on them. Yeah. <laughs> they're doing a pretty good job. Well, of course, and, you know, Three Ravens also have milkshake beers, which I think is kind of awesome. <laughs> one of the boys drank one of them out. Did you see the can? I saw the can yeah, over yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, well, we're actually, you know, we're talking about fruit beers, you know, several conversations ago. We're drinking the um, Goza. Mm. Sorry, the uh, Guava. Guava Smash. I kept, I kept wanting to think it was a Four Pines Guava Goza, which <laughs> I got really obsessed with it a while ago. Yeah, nice. But um, they're never making it again. No, never making it again, despite me um, com- uh, repeatedly requesting every. Um, That's why you're camping out yeah, the front of the brewery. Exactly. <laughs> and now they're owned by someone else, clearly they will never make it again. Yeah, there you go. But, 
So what was uh, we'll we'll like look at what other people say, but what was the what was the thought behind actually making the Grubber Smash? So we made we made a string of uh, goes at the start of well mid last year and the end of last year, and just experimented with a few different fruits. And um, actually, one of the one of the more favourite beers that I've made things though you asked me about it before was using guava but it was in a pale ale so it was guava and mosaic oh and that'd be really nice yeah it was a cracker that was a great beer and so then we used guava after that in a solo in a um in a goes and it just went off so uh we tried watermelon at the same at a fairly similar time so one after the other and uh you know they sold well over the bar really well yeah. they sold well at other bars and um uh basically they they came you know the sales team and the the marketing guys got together and said it would be a great beer to package. Um, and so now we've got the guava and the watermelon smash and we're hoping to do, by the year's end, we're hoping to do another couple of those, um, maybe just for draft to begin with and then uh, bring them out in can yep. for next year. And one of them is an interesting fruit, uh, South American fruit, that uh, no one's really used over here yet, uh, soursop. So, soursop? Yeah. I had soursop in... Um Soursop frozen yogurt when I was in Peru. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a pretty cool flavour. Yeah. Uh, so we'll give that a whirl and um, yeah, see how we go. Sweet. Um, it's all the same base beer? Yeah, it's all the same base. So I use mm-hmm. the same base for everything. Um, the only one with watermelon, I just add a little bit less malt purely because uh, the watermelon juice is, thins the beer out a bit more. So the guava is guava puree, so it's really chunky and pretty tough to get in the tank um, but uh, whereas watermelon juice we just pasteurise it and pectinase it in kettle and um, pump it through so the pumping does the work for us thank god we get two, 200 litre drums of the stuff in yeah. we get, mm-hmm. and so I mean, there's four in a you know in a full tank of it it'd be really interesting to do like a mixed mixed four pack yeah well that's yeah. that was one of the ideas pretty cool idea but, um, and the artwork on it's pretty cool too mm-hmm. yeah. well uh, quick question what obviously I'm guessing the um, what gets packaged is based on you know sales and marketings. Yep. Um, what they think they can sell. Um, are there any things that you really want to see packaged that is just not going to happen? Uh, a few a few different beers have been thrown out there for packaging uh, of, of late, and the Robert was one that um, a couple of the owners really want to do, but it's just about turning. Um, finding a time for starters and putting it in the Hatchpot IPA, which we um, we bumped up the booze on. It used to be the one eyed that we had on tap here. Uh, we just wanted to separate it from the hop stompers, so that was another one. Uh, and then, other than that, milk stout. We've always got that on at the beer hall. That's another one. Put that oh, in that'd nitro be, and can. That'd, that'd be nice. Yeah, that'd be a cracker. Um, yeah, There's, there are a few things that are thrown <laughs> out, but they're they're the main ones that are that have been talked about. So I guess we should find out what other people what are saying, people about, saying about it. Um, brace yourself. No, I've, I've, re- I've had a couple of reviews sent through to me there. Some of them are pretty interesting. Or flip it, flipping it the other way, consider yourself the dude from Dog, uh, Dogfish Shed. Oh, right. All right, so we've got Adam at the mill. Nice, subtle, sweet guava, balanced by just enough salt, be present without being salty, perfect balance, finishes a little acidic question mark, four out of five. Uh, Philip C at Nevermind Ma. Bar. Watermelon's better. No apostrophe. 3.5. Where is Nevermind Bar? Uh, Hawthorne. It was on the... Ho- it was on the Hawthorne. Hawthorne. Okay. Hawthorne, yeah. Uh, Megan T at the Penny Blue, which is in the city. 
Right amount of sour, fruity, lovely, and easy to drink. Uh, at a can, three out of five. Must be using a different rating scale to what the Christoph scale, mm. yep. I reckon. <laughs> Brent, uh, for like a beer, and I would drink it again, but it's nothing, you know, really special. It gets 3.5. It's my base rating. <laughs> that was all universally positive. So, mm. like, yeah, if, you, if you'd said that in a comment, I would, like, I'd expect four. a 3.75 yeah. or a 4 or something like that. <laughs> uh, Brendan Windle in Carnegie. Nailed a great balanced sour, fruit and salty beer. A cocktail umbrella in the glass wouldn't look out of place here. Dick chair <laughs> beer, 3.75. Have you considered parasols? <laughs> we've actually, one of the things that uh, we've done on the hotter days is with either this or the watermelon, we get a pint of ice, pour the can in and put a half shot, shot of Aperol in. Oh, and sweet. And a slice of orange and it is pretty good. Nice. We were just talking about adding mm, spirits beer to beer yeah. and that, yeah, yeah, yeah. At, um, like sticking, you know, spiced rum into beers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. It works a treat. We did it last year with our um, with our tzatziki sour. Well, I, I did it probably more than everyone else, but um, with a tzatziki sour, I was putting in a half shot of uh, tequila and topping with like a and so then most in a pot and then just putting a little splash of squash in the top and it's. Mm. Um, it was like pickly because the, the cucumber just got pickled from the tzatziki side of things. There was no garlic in it, however. Um, yeah, so pickly, tequila and a uh, touch of sweetness from the squash. It was bloody good. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Awesome. Do you do beer cocktails at the... No. <laughs> we should, though. I reckon yeah, we should. Yeah, great idea. I absolutely reckon we should. I mean, I assume if you asked for a beer cocktail, like, they'd happily serve you one. Mm. But, yeah. Yeah, mm. like you as the consumer, if you said I would like a guy with smash with a shot of no Aperol one, in it, no one really pushes the beer cocktail. No, if you're the place in the states that we've gone to, make yeah, quite a big deal about it. That's right. Yeah, mm. the only sort of beer cocktail you really sort of see around it is like the Boilermaker, basically. Yeah, which yeah. Is, yeah. Mm. And I feel like, uh, do you reckon that um, the bi- uh, like the Boilermaker has got acceptance j- only because of Boilermaker House, or do you reckon it was already? I think it was already a thing. I think yeah, it's like it was definitely a thing. Now, yeah, but yeah. Sorry? That was definitely a yeah, thing. Yeah. But no one was really going for it. Mm. I think people just love the idea of it. It gives them a legitimate excuse to just have like two drinks at the same time. Makes yeah. sense. No, it's, it's a thing. Like, I have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, this venue is called that. I can't bring a walk in and not have a boiler maker. That'd be ridiculous. Try a glass of wine, for God's sake. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right, uh, Race M, Tramp Stop 139. It's 30 degrees at 9 o'clock at night. This is amazing right now. 3.5. That's a good one. Have a go back on that one. What's it? <laughs> right. uh, no, no comments? For, for no, the, no comment. For oh. those playing at home, we're just looking at screens right So, now. yeah, someone someone gave the beer gave, gave this beer a one and a half, um, but, but provided no comment, as, no explanation as, as to why. So <laughs> I, got a, I had a really good one sent to me about the watermelon um, one time. It was a cracker where someone had said it tasted like <laughs> he had to lick a watermelon farmer's arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal. Oh, I'm like, wow, wait. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. Salty. Yeah, that, and that, so cool. that, it's, it's meant to be salty. Yeah, that, that got dark really quickly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, on a lighter note, Declan S at the Union Hotel, there's a fruitiness that is a nice addition to the funkiness, light and refreshing, four out of five. Mm. Yeah, there aren't too many bad um, reviews, which I suppose is a good thing, but I was mm. like finding unnecessarily bad comments. Oh, here we go. Rodrigo V., one star. Tastes like dirty water with no guava taste. Disgusting. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, the, the, I do, do feel like the weird part is that I would usually not drink uh, drink guava juice 
Yeah. Um, but I will gladly have a guava beer. Yeah. Well, guava juice would be pretty thick. Yeah. I mean, when we have to pour the stuff in, it is a, it's a puree. Like, it's, mm. it's very thick. I used to love the um, apple and guava. Well, I guess you still can get it in the yeah. two-litre cartons, but I used to drink that all the time when I was a yeah, kid. Yeah, that was great. And a bit, in that juice, it's only a small percentage oh, of guava. 1% or something, yeah. Yeah, it still comes through, right? Mm. It's a really strong, strong flavour. I'm pretty sure there's a place near my office where you have the privilege of being able to pay $15 for, like, a 500ml bottle of apple and guava juice or something like that. It's <laughs> absurd. It's like, what is this? It could be the best damn apple and guava juice you've ever tasted. It's, like, it's cheaper to drink guava beer, so I'll just do that instead. Yeah, exactly. It's a good argument. Mm. <laughs> Can I well, my turn to fill up these? Yeah, all right. Uh, g- uh, give me one more review. George B at Blackheart and Sparrows. So fucking good. Two exclamation marks, 4.5. Wait, he's actually drinking it at Blackhearts? Wait, well, bought it from there. Okay. You can it's drink at Blackhearts, though. You can might have just walked inside and the, um, At the City Road one, you can, can't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think the Fitzroy North one as well. I think they've got taps you can drink on site, I think. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Mm. Okay, that is awesome. Just the Fitzroy North one. But, all right, so I guess the big question is, um, you know, since we have the um, brewer next to us, what do we give this? I'm giving it a 3.75 because I, yeah, I really like it. It's really refreshing. It's interesting. It's a hard, tough one to rate because I like the... I was checking what I've given the watermelon smash because I've had that three times and really like it. I probably prefer the watermelon smash to this. Just gets a bit more refreshing, mm. which is kind mm. of what I'm looking for. But now it's like maybe the watermelon smash is actually a four if this is a three point seven five. <laughs> but yeah, really like it. Would happily drink it many times again. But given a choice between this and the watermelon, I would go for the watermelon. Fair enough. Just personal personal preference, really. Yeah, I give this three point seven five as well. I mean, I think yeah, it's definitely above three and a half. I really like it. Like it's yeah, it's a really great example of style. I could yeah easily drink this all all afternoon. So yeah, yeah, good work. Oh, thank you. Um, I'm also going 3.75, although unlike Paul, I prefer this to the watermelon. Yeah. Um, I just because uh, I did, um, I bought a, six, uh, no, a four pack of both of them from my local over the road, and it was like, uh, and so I, it was sort of like, oh, I really want to savor all the guava ones, mm. um, but you know that's that's just you know, clearly I need to drink more apple and guava juice. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, big question is, yeah, as a yeah, okay, um, imagine that you didn't brew this beer. Imagine right. that um, this was just sort of something that someone had thrust. Ha- actually, no, imagine that um, you didn't know it was your beer mm. um, and somebody gave it to you. A, would you drink? Uh, would you say, oh, yeah, this is great, and would you drink it again? Or can you get rid of that bias and say that... Um, um, I, no, I'd definitely drink it again. Um, I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't go above four with it. I'd probably be around the same sort of area as you guys are, 3.75. Uh, I'm fairly critical of things, and there are, I always see something I can probably improve on in a beer. Uh, so, but yeah, I would drink it again. I really like the style. It goes to something that I only really came to maybe three years ago. Uh, at that time, there weren't many about. Uh, I think Sierra Nevada was the the main one, and um, Anderson Valley bringing bringing gozers in. They were and they were great. They were refreshing, and really enjoyed them. And uh, it was a bit of an eye opener. Different, very different style. I'm the same. Yeah. I think it was when the Anderson Valley yeah. cans first came in. It was like, yeah. what is this style? Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. have they got the, they've got that blood orange the one? Blood orange one. That was really yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, I reckon that's the one that sort of tipped me over the edge into sort of exploring style more. And there was one. Who's the other one from California? Um, not just Anderson Valley. Forget the name. Anyway, yeah. But and yeah, they and they were all at Black Hearts, um, mm. which was great. Which was my local at the time. On the walk home. 
I feel like that's everyone's local. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it was about <laughs> there's about a thousand of them. Yeah, expanding. Except they closed down the one in the south, which was or the that, one on Chapel Street. That's the south, though. It doesn't count. But it's the one next to local tap house still open. Yeah. No, I think that's when the closed. That's closed. Yeah. Oh, that's when yeah. they closed. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's Chapel, isn't it? Is Carlisle. Okay. Carlo. It's all around the corner yeah. from Chapel. Yeah. But um, because I, I just remember going down there and it's sort of like, oh yeah, no, I because I have some friends live around the corner. It's like, all right, I'll just stop at the Black Arts, get some beer. It's like. Where's the black cards? And so then you then you end up checking multiple maps apps. It's like no, no, no. Okay, it's not there anymore. Yeah. Sad times. Yeah. Yeah. Wine yeah. Republic on Chapel is probably mm. the place to go for. Or or I found beer. this or I found this really cool place called Bottle House on Carlisle. Ooh. I was about to say I know that there is a craft bottle shop mm. on Carlisle, not far from there, which is someone was saying to me, it's like oh yeah, it's next to Battle Carlisle Station. It's like you mean Black Cards? Like, no, no, no. It's not called that. It's yeah. like yeah, it's no, no, House. it is, but it's yeah. not. Is it in the same place as Black Arts used to be? No, I think it, it's different. Okay. Um, but Bottle House is great. Yeah, right. Hi, Bottle House. <laughs> so, um, I think we're going on to our next beer already um, because you've already poured them for us. Yes. This is like a, this is the first single take episode we've ever done. Uh, look, it's the first single take in a while. Uh, <laughs> um, in usual episodes, we like to take a break between um, mm. uh, um, beers, but in this case, it's just, it's too easy. Um, so... All right, what are we drinking? Brick Tower Barley Wine. Right, you have a barley wine. Mm, mm. But Not the Shiraz Barrel Age Edition. No, 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 no. So I didn't put any of this in the barrel. This is all in uh, keg, so it was all carbonated in in fermenter. Oh, in bright, sorry, and um, and just put into keg. This would be another one I'd like to have in can for you know maybe once a year to be great, but. Or, or say like a bottle with a, um, a wax seal. Yeah. Pear <laughs> and barley wine. Is anyone? In Australia, they really done a can barley. Uh, no, I reckon, no, haven't, didn't Dayton do? Because Dayton no, do they all do of their like super stu- super strong stuff in tiny cans. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But they probably have. I don't know. But I can't, can you imagine just getting a really great beer and not having to open it? Wax seal. <laughs> yeah, <Maybe laughs> you're gonna pour it in a glass. Maybe anyway. a wax seal can. Wax like, seal. Let's, let's it could Dude, be done. It's got, yeah, it's got to exist. Actually, no. We we mucked around with that. Matt mucked around with that when we were waxing the um, the Compromat bottles this year because he just got the wax really hot and he put the can in and it actually it held because mm. it was like a little air void underneath where yep. the lid, mm. lid space is and it actually stayed. Um, so it is doable, it, but I think it breaks very very quickly mm. and you wouldn't be able to put the snap um, six pack holders on it either. Yeah. No, and the Unless wax will go in, in when you open the can. You like made it a six pack holder out of wax. Oh, <laughs> oh there you go. All right, well, that's that problem solved. Um, we'll leave you guys to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is the barley wine. I, um, the only thing I've changed about this from the very first time I did it was the yeast. I, I use a blend of yeasts now for it. and um, But otherwise, it's the same It's the same beer. You know, it's got no crystal in it at all. It's all pale malt, and uh, there's a touch of amber malt in it, so I think it's only maybe 1%. And that's just for a bit of a biscuity character to it. It's amber mould, is biscuit mould. And uh, yeah, so all, all pale and then 1% biscuit. But um, American hopped, so it's it's an American version thereof, uh, not an English version. So it's got Simcoe, Amarillo uh, and Centennial. And yeah, it's, uh, it's hopped fairly heavily. No dry hopping whatsoever, but uh, hopped fairly heavily throughout the boil and um, whirlpool. Uh, um, I feel like it's an elephant in the room here, but you're a young brewery. Mm. Young breweries don't make barley wines. Was well, that? Well, because they're a risk. Oh, well. But I mean, I think that's the 
beauty of this venue, though, we've got we've got the tap space, and we can we can hold the tap space if we need to. So uh, that's why we do it. That's why we have it. It was. Uh, did you always want to make a barley wine? Oh, absolutely, yeah. As a style, I really like barley wines. Um, I don't tend to like the really rich ones so much, and if I, I do really like the barrel aged um, variations on them. Hey, Phil. Um, but uh, there's Phil. He's just walked into the office. He's the uh, graphic designer who I'm responsible for all the cans and whatnot. Hey, Phil. I really, hey, I really like what you did with the the mustache on the Gibbs Street. Oh, fantastic. Good. I'm glad people like my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I actually quite like it as a style. It's a, it's something that's always warm to me, and obviously not something you drink a lot of for uh, every month of the year. But uh, it's great to have one on tap. I had one as I was saying to you guys before before the interview, uh, before I went to the races the other day, and it just set me up nicely for the day. <laughs> kind of a funny thing to have first thing in the morning, but. Um, it was good. Yeah, but the races are strange enough. You need Mate, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I, I think I would kind of need my brain to be like in an alternate dimension to be mm. able to cope with the races for an entire day. And like, <laughs> I yeah. wholeheartedly agree. The barley wine paired with uh, some of that, those noodles you were yeah, talking the, about. Yeah, the two-time spicy mm. Samyang noodles plus a barley wine and then just, yeah, then I'd be, then I'd be set. <laughs> mm. <laughs> wait, 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 what are the... So I, I have these... In, so, so when I was in London the other day, I had these um, these instant no- these Korean instant noodles that I bought and they've got like the, their... They've got the normal spicy noodles, and they've got the two times spicy noodles. And the spicy noodles are ones where these YouTubers will make like they'll eat like five packets as like a food challenge. I thought, well, I'll just have one of the two times spice. That's like you know, forty percent of a five times the spicy one or something like that. I ate it, and I'm pretty sure I briefly saw into like an alternate dimension after I finished eating it. Like it was like just sort of that that just a bit too spicy. Sounds <laughs> terrible. Yeah, just like I just I was just like, what is going on? And then my sort of vision returned to normal and it was mm. yeah so <laughs> anyway God. well well i did so um, i should turn that into a beer uh, yes <laughs> oh yeah chili beer oh no that's one thing i won't do well not yet no I mean, we'll, we'll check in next year and you'll live in nipa the last collaboration we did the market nipa was literally had ch- vietnamese chilies and, oh, shit, uh, of course and it was a nipa <laughs> oh god i um that's a style I really don't like, chili and chili beers. I, I know there are a few of them about. They seem to be more popular in America than here, but I've, it just burns your throat. It's a tough one to get right. Like, oh, yeah. I've had more bad ones than good ones, but when it's done well, I find you get that just that nice, like, subtle aftertaste of chili mm. on the back of your throat. If you can do that, that's yeah. fine. But the ones that you drink is just like... Like the Matzo's chili one, where it's just you drinking a lot. Or the the Emerson's chili pills and results another one. Where yeah. it just, it's just burning. But that yeah. one, what was the what is it? What was it? Was um, it had Añejo chili. I think you and I had it in the states. It was a stout. Oh yes, the um, well, it was. Oh, it was that collaboration between the Mexican chocolate place. Yes. And then the Californian brewery. And it was all like horchata and yeah, all yeah. stout and all those flavors. And yeah, so that it was just awesome. had that really nice. Like, yeah, slight heat on the back mm. of your throat. Mm. It wasn't in your face. Which I guess you can do with the stout, right? Because there's all these other, you've yeah, got all these yeah. other flavors that you can sort of blend with it. And in a Pilsner, it's just... Yeah, something lighter, it's really hard. It's in the face, yeah. And we, not chili beers as such, just mm. chili is mm. a component. Correct. We had one, um, I was, uh, I, I judged the last two years at AIBA, not as, a, not as a full judge, I was like a, whatever you call it, an assistant judge. You, you're only there just learning the ropes for the first couple of years and, and one of the beers we had this year was a chili beer and it was bloody horrendous. It was so strong. 
Like, literally, you smell it when it came out, and it smelled like, you know when you cut a chilli, one of those really strong bird's eyes, and you smell mm-hmm. it, you don't want to get it too close to your nose because even the vapours are going to burn your nose. Smell the beer, and we, think, we all thought, oh, God. All right. <laughs> it was the end of the day, and everyone's a bit rough, and each of us had a small little taste, and it's like, oh, Christ, what do we do now? How do, we, <laughs> how do, you, give, how do you judge that in a way, you know, without being subjective because it's just so... So overpowering, but uh, and you, you, of course you're not meant to be subjective. You're meant to be objective when you're doing it. But it's very difficult when there's something that is such a strong flavour. Well, um, a couple of, I reckon one or two years ago, we did an episode with a so um, our friends at co-conspirators. Yep. Um, they uh, Shannon from there made a ghost chili porter. Mm. That's right. Which was Jeff. You're the king of. Can you remember how? On a I, scale. It, it definitely you definitely felt it, but like I I, I quite enjoyed mm. it actually. I really I liked that it. But two years ago, yeah, yeah. I was in Chicago. Yeah, huh. but yeah, it you definitely hit, yeah mm. there was a definite hit from from that. Go not surprising, like but yeah, no, I, I thought it went it went down all right, mm. but uh, I I was in a lot of pain. I expected the glass to break that was in it, <laughs> um, but each to their own. So anyway, Barley sorry wine. we've digressed, <laughs> um, which is what we do. Um, Barley wine. What are people saying? What are people saying? So, uh, someone you like has done something you hate, Jeff. Oh, go on. James, formerly of Bright Beer. Missed checking this in last night. (sighs) Chatting with Steve. Delicious stuff. 4.5. Don't do it. That was the 2016 version, so I guess you're saying it's slightly different now. Uh, Yeah, it's just... um, Well, the the thing is, so, some are barrel-aged and some aren't, and I, I don't... I think... There's someone else looks after the um, the untapped stuff for us. Robbo, I think, does some of it, and uh, Steve does as well. Uh, so hopefully they're they're ticking the right box for each one. But yeah, as I was saying, the only thing that's changed is the yeast on this. So, so we got um, Callum O, who drank it here, 9.9 percent. Saw the colour and was worried very light, but sexy flavours. Should never have doubted. Barley wine is life. Four out of five. Good work, Mary. I was going to say, I mean, you mentioned that you deliberately made, you know, a kind of less viscousy sort of barley wine. Yeah. So I was going to ask, like, yeah, because when I first drank it, I went, like, this is a bit different to sort of other barley wines I sort of had, which is, you know. Well, the thing I, the thing I base it, not so much base it off, but the thing I sort of steer towards when I, when I made it and designed it was something more like uh, what you get from Sierra Nevada with Bigfoot, which yep. is 100% pale. And it has been ranked the best a number of times, maybe not in recent years, but... For many years, it was it was one of the best, and it's quite a bit of beer as well. And I, I really like that because if you've got that booze, and you've you've still got residual sugar in there, it's not as it's not sickly, but it's it's got a lot of mouthfeel. But um, you need the bitterness. I think you need a bit of residual, but it can't be sickly because you've got all that booze as well. And that that beer for me is so good, and it's so drinkable too. Mm. Like it actually it doesn't it doesn't linger too long. Um, and that yeah, that's what I aim for. So it's really light in colour as well. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's got an extended boil, so that's where you get a bit of the caramelisation from. Needs more haze. Mm. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why is there a wheat in this? <laughs> um, Ollien at here, 9.9%, a big beer. Everything balances in the end, way less alcohol taste than in the barrel aged version. Four stars. Mm. Uh, lots of people not commenting and Telstra not being very helpful. Uh, yeah. Isaac G here as well it's been too long barley wine take me back to alibi take me back to alibi room i want to know what alibi room is now yeah we'll have to google it after 4.25 i feel like that's a whole different story yeah 
<laughs> we better not delve too far into that. Yeah, one. yeah. That's my, I think I think once you learn things, you can't unlearn yeah. them. Mm. Yeah. Common A also here, um, very similar to the last comment I read. Still pretty heavy, but not as crazy as the barrel aged. Also gave it four stars. All right. While you're doing that, um, Asher, I'm going to start first with what you think of this. Uh, again, keep your. Um, this is uh, this is not something you made. On. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, I would I would give it a four, uh, and I think there's I'm tasting it and I'm just thinking probably I could balance out the bitterness maybe a little bit better um, and try and get a bit more you know hop resin in there so a bit more pine and a bit more uh, grapefruit citrus which was what I'm trying to get with the Simcoe and Centennial so that would be pretty much the only thing but yeah four I think nicely done. Mm. Jeff? Yeah, I think four out of five. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, it took me a little, because I think just to the point about this sort of being a more sort of, you know, less malt-driven, more hop-driven barley wine, it took me a little while to, to adjust, but having sort of spent a bit of time with it now and got to know it, I'm, I'm quite enjoying it. I'm actually going to give it 4.25. Um, barley wines I like, but it's, you often get that very sort of sticky, mm. heavy mm. flavour to it, which I don't actually mind, but, yeah, kind of too much of them whereas this is just yeah it's it's just really well balanced and like he was saying a sessionable barley wine I've mm. not two words I'd use together normally but this is that mm. so yeah it's a 4.25 for me um, and if anyone was wondering Ali, Alibi Bar is a craft beer venue in Gastown Vancouver oh nice oh, oh, cool. 50, 50 craft international and local craft beers on tap and Gastown is a really cool area. It's basically where, um, for a while there, it was where all the hobos hung out. Yeah, right. Vancouver. Fun place. Um, actually, it is. It's the only place of any culture I found in Vancouver. Makes sense that there would be a craft beer bar there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, in SF, everywhere is where the hobos hang out. And they all love Mario t-shirts, it seemed. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, we were walking through the Tenderloin late at night, and there were all these like, homeless people and crack addicts and stuff. And they were all, like walking up to Jeff and like wanted to talk to him because he had this Super Mario T-shirt on. It was awesome. <laughs> and I'm like, my cops are like, "What are you doing around here?" So it's okay. We got the Mario yeah, it's T-shirt. It's like, it's like it's like this this impenetrable shield. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> um, okay, I will also go over four. I I do actually agree with Paul's statement. It is a sessionable barley wine, mm. which I didn't think was possible. Um, and we've done episodes where we do uh, we did a vertical tasting of um, three mountain goat barley wines, mm. which is a completely different feel to this. Yeah, like completely different. I mean, they're both great, but they're completely different. Mm. And it's nice to have something that's a little bit different, but still calls itself a barley wine. Yeah. It still very much tastes like a barley wine, mm. which is what's great. Yeah, their barley wine is, is, is exceptional too. Yeah, um, and there's good reason for it. But again, yeah, it is a different style and probably a bit more English. Mm. Uh, they've done a really good job with that. And super syrupy. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. But again, I think if you find, if you talk to them, um, or if you, I don't know whether they mentioned it, when, when I've spoken to the guys, uh, it was Dave Enid years ago, actually. Not when, Kenny. When no, was, not Kenny. When I was still working at, uh, I worked at Mornington before we um, set up here at Mornington Brewery, in between actually setting up, and we went for a bit of a tour around a few breweries, and they were one of them, and... Um, I think they said they only put maybe 1% crystal in it or something. They're a really small amount, but it still had that syrupy mm. sort of character or that, um, you know, really nice rich caramel rip malt flavour. That's the thing. You've got, you've got so much malt in these beers, you don't, you don't need to put the darker malts in because 
just that base mold if you use really good base mold. And in this case, it's uh, Gladfield's um, Ale Mold from New Zealand, which is a really good mold. So, yeah, you don't need to add much else to that. No. Um, I was just going to say, um, we we spent a bit of time in um, Mountain Goat a little while ago, and they um, the, my my favourite part about them making their barley wines is the fact for the wax their wax seals, you expect some sort of crazy machine, and it's just um, a Kmart slow cooker. Yeah, that's what we use. It's great. I, it freak, <laughs> it it makes me really happy that there's still it's still such a like a pirate operation. Well, it's the only way you can do it. Like, you'd have to. It'd be an interesting operation to actually build a machine that would do it because you'd have something which would pretty much be a Kmart slow cooker, mm. and you'd have to have the bottles turned upside down on mm. a conveyor mm. system that would plop them in mm. and then yeah. move on. But you've kind of got to plop yeah. them in and then turn them around really quickly mm. without doing it too vigorously, so you get that nice dripping around the yeah. outside. Otherwise, you yeah. know, it's going to look a bit rough. So it actually is easy just to do it by hand. It's probably some like central European family-run company that's been doing wax seals for the mm. past 300 years or something that <laughs> yeah. has, has some kind of machine. <laughs> and their machine is hopefully yeah. like Kmart. Um, I think Monocle magazine has probably written about it. <laughs> <laughs> Monocle, get in touch if you're listening. <laughs> so look, on, on that note, uh, we should finish up here. Um, uh, I will mention one thing before we go. Uh, at the moment, uh, people... Uh, it is Movember. It is. Yeah. And uh, for every, how's, how's this work? So we, we donate 75000 uh, bucks each month, each November for, um, well, we've done it the last two years, so I can't really say it's each November. But um, so for the last two years, we're donating to uh, Movember, and that's uh, from Kegan Can Sales. And today we've actually got Connor, one of the um, brewers, in and he's donating his salary for the day, which is very generous of him, and um, getting a few mates. So that's in. like 100 grand. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's not that much, but it's still very, very generous for I'm a pretty sure one of those vats was filled with uh, dollar bills. Oh, yeah, uh, I, I did see that, yeah. Yeah, God, <laughs> if only. Um, but, uh, yeah, which is very generous for a, for a guy who's just had his first kid yeah. um, to yeah. do. And uh, I think the bar staff as well are um, donating their tips for the day, so all for, uh, all for men's health and uh, just promoting people. To look into themselves because blokes don't tend to do it as much as they should. No, we're not very good at it. No, we're terrible. No. Terrible. Um, so, uh, so, uh, so people can get any Gibb Street. Yeah, if you um, if you buy a pot or a pint of Gibb Street at um, any of the pubs that uh, we're selling to, so we we, we pretty much donate seventy five bucks a keg. Mm. Um, we should put something about this on Instagram because by the time this episode goes live, it'll be the end of November. Well, it'll be halfway through. And uh, this episode will go live on Friday, uh, Thursday week. Say they'll still, they'll still yeah. have a week. Yeah. yeah. We should put yeah. something on Instagram about it anyway. Yeah. Mm. Uh, the, the joy. Well, of by the time you listen to this, we will have put something on Instagram <laughs> yeah. about this. Anyway, you're hearing the inner workings if you're still listening now. So, um, I think that's really important um, mm. and we will support it any way we can. Uh, but we'll finish up here. Cool. Asher, thank you so much for um, like running away from the thousand tanks that you have going to talk to us. <laughs> uh, thanks for having me. This has been great. It's been really yeah, great. thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks. That's, that's been awesome. Mm. Thank you very much, sir. Um, so we've had Jeffrey Chi. Thank you. We've had Paul Christoph. See you next time. We've had Asher. Yep. And we've had me, Chris Shorten. And we will talk to you all next week. Thank you.